0: Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our friend with us, Dick Booth, back with a session of Back Channel with Folks. And then we're going to jump into our interview with Ron Keese to continue our discussion on conflict and some methodologies that he's found that works and, and things that don't work. Dick, so excited to have you back with us on the podcast today.
1: My joy, I, even in a cold, wintry Colorado day, it's, it, it, you warm my heart.
0: well nairobi kenya is is a beautiful day today so but sometimes i miss thank you very much i I miss the snow sometimes but not not that much so not that much dick got two questions for you today um what are your thoughts on using tools like the enneagram to understand yourself and others better some have said it has roots in secular and even unchrist like origins
1: you know, I know just a little about the enneagram, so let me let me talk about the tools. Okay. I think uh, I I do know that it was made popular or started being used by a Russian fellow okay. named George, and I can't say his last name Gordiev. Okay. Uh, back uh, about a hundred years ago, a little over a hundred years ago, but it really became pop- more popular in use by therapists and psychologists, psychiatrists back in the 1970s. And it just has to do with with the understanding, or it has to do with the understanding that the thesis is that we're born with certain personality types mm-hmm. and and over time our experiences and so forth change things. It's the I I think it's in 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 the framework of the old nature nurture discussion. How how okay. much is what I is in my DNA mm-hmm. and how much is shaped by my experiences. But over the years I've I've been part of using a lot of different kind of uh, of assessment tools because the key is th- these tools are used to assess who you are okay, mm-hmm. in terms of how you think, how you respond, what motivates you. In scriptural terms, we talk about those gifts, gifts of mercy, gifts of genera, you know, that sort of thing, um, you know. Some years ago, Myers-Briggs was really touted as the thing. I think it's still in play quite a bit. The Taylor Johnson was yeah. another one. The, the Minnesota multiphasic inventory is a yeah. much more high-intensity kind of thing. And uh, I've often thought, what would happen if we gave the disciples of Jesus the Taylor Johnson test? <laughs> this, this, has to do, this has to do with how you respond in in relationship situations, you know, right. I think, his, I think his anger quotient could be pretty high. old Peter, <laughs> you know, I think he. You know, and anyway, I, I'm, I am all for assessment. Okay. I have dear friends and relatives who don't like it as much, okay. but I, but I, I think to assess yourself, that sort of that unexamined life bit is, is an important critique. Now, th- this is not this is not in the category of what people call naval watching okay. this, this has to do with why do I find myself responding in certain ways in certain situations right okay and in in missions work oftentimes you find yourself in these situations where you're dealing with conflict in yeah. no small part because of the personality types yeah. that are in the same space sure. but just just look at those people who were with jesus those dozen guys pretty much all from the same county of yeah. a small of a small country and and you have guys who work with their hands you yeah. have guys who work with their hands counting money you have you you know so forth and so on right and um most recently um i i was involved in a situation called a life plan and i i think i've talked about it here mm-hmm. before but it has um it has a piece to it uh, that's an inventory of personalities. For example, uh, thinking wavelength. Okay. This is one part of it. I'm just going to read it to you real quick. On the one side, if you're looking at a line on a paper, the left side is concrete thinking. Okay. So the folks who think this way tend to be risk-averse, resisting change, few variables, one step at a time, low tolerance for ambiguity. They want definition. Mm. And they're problem or task-oriented. Okay, mm-hmm. so and you need those kinds of folks who have the that that uh, um, that gifting. I'll call yeah. it a gifting in any organization. Uh, on the far end, on the right side, you have abstract thinking, embraces risk, welcomes change. There are many variables, quantum leaps, high tolerance for ambiguity, opportunity oriented, and so what you have is the leader, oftentimes. Who, Times who is up in that conceptual abstract thing? They get an idea over. it. The problem is they get twelve ideas over, <laughs> and they bring it in and they say <laughs> to the group, the they say to the accounting office, "We're going to do these yeah. three things by next Thursday." And the accounting people just want to do terrible things to themselves and to him, just yeah. because or her, as yeah. the case may be, for sure. And so, but I think knowing where you are in that mix is really critical. I had a situation. Where, as President of the college, I had a team, uh, sort of an executive team, and all tremendous people, all Jesus lovers, you know just people who who ha- had the mission in their hearts, and even the methodology they concurred with hmm. but but one person on the team, particularly um, when I would ask a strategic question a question about strategy would Almost always give me a technical answer a, a particular uh, not the large view but the but the uh, specific kind of view and I sat with my brother in law who was a uh, was a psychologist who who used these kinds of assessments, not the enneagram uh, for major corporations and I said, "I need your help here and he said, "Well, show me the the um, have, have them take this particular test, and it was back in the day when disk was used, which was dominance, okay. uh, influence, steadiness, caution, plus a personality test, two tests. He said, "Let's have the whole team do this," and I did it with them, and then we'll put the we'll put the position description of that person next to the results of that test. So there were seven or eight, and I can remember sitting in. Our bedroom, my bedroom with my brother-in-law on the king size bed and we spread out these charts and he just looked over them, and he pointed, he didn't know these people. He pointed at that one and said, that one will never work Hmm. because they matched the personality uh, trajectories, if you will, or the way they thought about the world with the things that they were being asked to do. And the person could have it in his or her heart to do that all day long. But it wasn't going to work, hmm. and so uh, I think in those situations that that really uh, that really helps. And hmm. I've done numbers of these over the years. And when I, as I told you before, when I did this life plan thing, I was seventy-one years old. Okay. And uh, I woke up that morning. My wife was laughing. Ruth was laughing. I said, "What are you laughing at?" She said, "I think it's hilarious that a seventy-one-year-old man wants to do this kind of thing." I said, "Hey, you know." My mom lived 100. I could have 30 years here. And we, That's
0: true. That's true for anyway, sure. I
1: think I think assessment. Yeah, uh, is critical when it comes to how an organization works together, yeah. and it doesn't have to be threatening. Okay. And uh, anyway,
0: good word. We are good word. Well, Dick, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me back on the podcast. We're going to go ahead and jump in to continue our conversation with Ron Keast on conflict and some tools that he's found has worked as he navigated, in the, navigated conflict in the business world and in the church. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. Back with our friend, Ron. Ron, so excited to have you back for the second part of this series.
2: Thank you. I'm just delighted to be here. And uh, thank you for asking uh, for me to be a part of this.
0: No, I'm excited. And and Ron and I have got to spend some time together. And uh, I've learned so much for him. He has some unique giftings and talents to be able to take complex, uh, yeah, complex subjects and be able to encapsulate them down. And um, it's been very valuable for me. And so Ron, we appreciate you very, very much. Looking forward to our conversation tonight. The, the first podcast, we talked a little bit more about some some theory and some uh, the other uh, angle to this. But tonight, we're going to jump into how do we prepare for conflict in some specific focuses. So that's my first question if I have for you, Ron, how do we or how do you prepare for conflict?
2: well wow. uh i don't know about anybody else but in the last 12 months you know, i have experienced more conflict than i have in the last 12 years literally and and so uh, the uh this has really been uh much more of a focus on my mind in this last year than uh than ever before And, you know, and all of us have come into these situations, you know, from different places, there's a variety of settings, and it may be that you're in conflict with another person, and it may not be to the point of, you know, of extreme tension, but you can see yourself moving that way. Or maybe you're mediating a conflict among others, and they're asking you to be uh, uh, the peacemaker, Um, or uh, so that you're either the main event or you're the spectator with (laughs) with a stake in the outcome, Uh, you know? And so, you know, in our last conversation, we talked about looking inside of ourselves as the origin of conflict. And so just maybe to come back and just uh, pull that together, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to have peace with God. Uh, if, If that is not in order, everything is going to either be under uh, my manipulation Mm. or it's going to be out of control. Okay. Um, and so, you know, that's where we've got to start before we expect anything to happen, uh, positive out of a conflict situation. Second then, uh, is to assure personal peace. Uh, and so we've got uh, our vertical, uh, relationship, uh, uh, established uh that internal relationship then that personal peace inside of me which is my essential uh relationship of of who healing my my wounded soul mass and then uh, and then what we're going to talk about now is next then we got to prepare for that mutual peace or, or what Mm. I call community peace. So we've got peace with God, personal peace, and now, uh, the, 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 the area of community peace and that's my horizontal relationships Mm. and, you know, baked into conflict resolution is always the foundation of living well with others. Mm. Um, and so, uh, what do we do? Uh, um, from my experience, I can't get to mutual community peace until I've done my h- homework, as I say, on the first two. And I think it's important to realize that what we're going to talk about th- th- today, you know, could 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 take a full year of conversation to completely unpack. <laughs> and, and we're going to do it in less than an hour. It's uh, so on yeah. strap, yep. strap, <laughs> put your seatbelts on and your uh, uh, tray tables in an upright position because we're taking off. So uh, what we're talking about today, then, is achieving mutual peace. And and mutual peace means that I live in trustworthy relationships. So mutual peace means that defensiveness, suspicion, hostility, uh, retaliation, uh, and unforgiveness are forced off the table. Hmm. Now, sometimes it's reconciliation, and in other times, it's just working for mutual goals. Hmm. And yet we should always have the desire of reconciliation as our ultimate goal. But sometimes that's going to take a longer time than just being able to resolve the immediate issue that we're in conflict about. And, and so just realizes is is that reconciliation is a goal, but it's not always the achievable outcome uh, from, uh, from, you know, the meeting of the moment. Yeah. So to live in mutual peace uh, in community, obviously requires mutuality. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and, and that unfortunately is all too rare. Mutuality for me means that everyone recognizing and respecting that everybody has a need and a right to be heard uh, and to be respected. Uh, And if, if we don't get off on that step, then everything is going to unravel. And and just as we are one in Christ, so we must see ourselves as one with each other as best as we can. And that's so foundational. And yet, uh, it seems like uh, when we reach issues of conflict, that we've missed a lot of those fundamental tenets of who we are as people of Christ. Many marriages and many families experience that. Uh, you know, most marriages, most broken marriages uh don't have that sense of mutuality. And, and so uh so as as we come into relationship, one of the things I think is important is to recognize is to expect tension. Uh Uh, expect uh, long conversations and also to expect mutuality. Tension uh, is one of the most productive uh, emotions uh, in a meeting that most people run for the doors uh, to get away from. For sure. Because we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know how to uh, embrace it uh, uh, because one of the things that is missing is mutual trust.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
2: that, uh, if, that if, if I trust you and you trust me that I can push you <laughs> yeah. a lot farther to get the best out of you, uh, then, uh, because you know, my motives and you know, my limits and you know, yeah. that I'm not going to take you to places that I know are your weaknesses. That's good. And so, That's good. uh, mutuality requires, uh, uh, tension. Uh, I've also found that living in mutual peace is a a progressive process Hmm. and everyone has their own battles. And so as I enter a relationship with others, the only thing I have to offer is my, as I say, is my trustworthiness. So um, how is mutual peace then different from a cessation of hostilities? Like we talked about before, a cessation of hostilities simply means that I don't have the power that I need at the moment to win the conflict. Hmm. And so I avoid, I stall, I accommodate, uh, I don't show up uh, or uh, I concede. Yeah. Uh, but my need to win does not diminish in a cessation hmm. of hostilities. That's good. That's and good. it's not a good place to seek peace. That's good. Um, Ron, we had, we
0: had, you and I had talked in between the recordings of this podcast and you, could you maybe take it a minute or two and share the difference between confidence and trust i have another question to follow this one but you you shared something that i've quoted uh, many times in the last, <laughs> since we talked <laughs> the difference between confidence and trust could you just take a minute or two and share oh, that it was a valuable yeah. it was valuable for me
2: Oh, I'm I'm glad. You know, <clears throat> uh, my belief is is that uh, we we overuse and under uh, and fail to fully understand or or to value uh, what trust really means.
0: Hmm. And
2: so uh, we come in and we throw this trust word out in a relationship as if uh, we and we have no foundation hmm. upon which uh, to base that. And so what I've come to understand is is that uh, this is a progressive process. Uh, in relationship with another. And, and it starts with, first of all, factual information about another another person. What do I know about them? Uh, that information then leads to me gaining an understanding of their uh, reliability uh, and their dependability. Mm-hmm. Do they show up when they said they would? Do they yeah. keep their word? And, and when they show up, do they show up with their best? Mm-hmm. That's reliability. And so uh, this progressive process uh, I'm I'm building until finally I reach a point where I have confidence in this individual Hmm. and confidence is based on what I know. Okay. And, and that's as far as most relationships need to go. Okay. Uh, uh, And then there comes this intimacy Hmm. in which uh, I then begin to uh, not base my relationship on what i know and my confidence and uh you know yeah, but rather i open myself in vulnerability to trust another individual um uh for uh things that uh i've taken down my armor i've taken okay. away my knowledge uh and 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 so um uh, uh trust uh, many times for me uh, i re- reserve trust uh, for uh, my wife, okay. my children, yeah. and my most and closest intimate friends. Okay. The rest of the individuals I love and we, we, we enjoy our company and I have confidence yeah. in their dependability, their reliability, and their foundation of who they are and how they act. Yeah, and, and so I, that's the differentiation I'm yeah. making. And as a result, I don't have as many people violating my trust. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's
0: something you, when you shared that with me, uh, you know, that, that evening I took notes and um, it's uh, something I've come back to and uh, I just wanted to get it recorded. Oh, so okay. this one, this one to get it on, on record. So.
2: Trust God. Uh, have confidence in others. That's good.
0: That's good. That's good. <laughs> Ron, back to back to the uh, the the. I digressed a little bit there, but That's how fine. do we st- how do we just start to address horizontal relationships and assuring um, as we look for mutual peace?
2: Well. For, I think one of the things that uh, we've got to first of all uh, see is, is understand some of the common sources that we both bring into the room uh, that are the sources of these conflicts. And, and, and keep in mind that these are layered. Uh, they're not sequential. And, and so, you know, they have volume to them. And, and, and so, uh, you know, the first one is, is that we all bring our selfishness into the room, uh, our, 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 our atom nature, uh, that uh, that we are in the continuous process of crucifying uh, day by day. Uh, for me, uh, the way I record it is, what I came to realize is is that uh, as a Christ follower, I have to learn how to be a serial killer. Mm. I've got to learn how to kill the old man every mm. day. Uh, mm. <laughs> and every time the old man pops up and, and, and tries to take dominion, yeah, uh in my human spirit, I've got to kill them. Hmm. <laughs> and and hmm. so know that we come in with selfishness. Yeah. We all uh come in of uh valuing and having values that are different. Okay. Uh some people value win, some people value relationship, some people value intellectual uh integrity, some people uh and so everybody comes in with <clears throat> with uh different. Uh, things that they value, and then people come in with different uh, dimensions of their values. Hmm. So truthfulness uh, is maybe a higher value for one individual. Um, uh, Dignity uh, may be a higher value for another individual. So what we value, uh, both in in what we value and our values, uh, are different when we come into the room. Our skill levels are different. And anybody who does not have, uh, uh, disciplined skill in conflict resolution always feels, uh, uh, at a loss okay. feels like they're the lesser skilled individual in the, in the room. Uh, and, uh, they don't have experience maybe in gaining mutual wins. And so hmm. they, they've only learned how to fight in okay. conflict and not how to win. Good, good word. Uh, uh obviously in a, in a, in a missions context cultural differences yeah. and you know, we could go on for <laughs> 3 days <laughs> on cultural differences and yeah. and how they are so different uh and and so we come in and we uh, uh, uh and then there's personality differences um in most personality surveys feelers make up uh nearly 80% of the population wow And so if we come in and I'm a thinker and I want uh, things to be uh, factually correct, or Hmm. I'm a sensor and I just love this environment of pushing people right to the edge because I'm not (laughs) going to push them over, you know, but isn't this fun? Yeah. Uh, Or the intuitor uh, who sits back and going, wow, is this interesting? I can see the big picture here. And, (laughs) And we all come in from different places, but here's the problem. We all think we're normal. Hmm. We think hmm. that we are not that much different than anybody else. The fact is, is that we're not normal. <laughs> we're unique. Hmm. And if we don't respect and understand, uh, that, uh, that difference, that, that significant difference, and particularly if you're not a feeler, yeah. uh, is, is that, uh, um, you are the odd person in the room. If okay. you're not a, a feeler, um, uh, Chronically anxious systems, man, I could go on for hours about this, uh, but, um, and this is where we've been in the last two years with COVID is, is uh, that we have fallen as a, as, as a, as a spiritual community, as a larger community worldwide, we've fallen into a chronically anxious system and, and chronically anxious systems uh, do not function healthily. Hmm. And and one of the things I, I, that about chronically anxious systems, if you want to know if you're in a chronically anxious uh, system, whether that's a family or or a larger group, uh, just to, uh, just ask. Well, what are we What are we talking about? Chronically anxious systems focus primarily on safety. Hmm. Healthy systems focus primarily on adventure. Wow. Hmm. Um, then there's system rules. <laughs> uh, that, uh, how we live, uh, how we do things. And, and again, in a, in a multicultural context, you know, face-saving is, uh, irrelevant in Northern Europe and most of North America. Right. And it is significant,
0: yeah.
2: uh, in other, com- uh, population communities. And if we don't respect that, yeah. uh, that we're not going anywhere with this. That results right, for one person, may uh, their system rule, th- that it takes precedence over relationships. Now, you take not only our cultural system rules, but then, uh, for example, uh, the missionary system hmm. that you're a part of. And the system, uh, the missionary system, whether it's AG World Missions or whether it's uh, any other one, has their own set of system rules. Okay how we conduct ourselves. And if we don't understand those system rules, we're in conflict. Okay. So, so there, that, that, that's a whole package, but that's coming into the room. Yeah. And this is why this is so complicated. You go, man, how do I keep, uh, uh, keep track of all of that? Well, that's just understanding the environment as you walk in.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ron, just a little bit back on chronically anxious systems. If somebody finds themselves in a chronically anxious system, are there steps that they can take to be healthy in that, so that they're not caught up in that whirlwind of conflict?
2: Wow, um, <laughs> you're hoping for a, 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 a sixty second. Answer. No, I know it's and, a big, I'm gonna, it's a big one. and what I'm going to say is going to be as confusing as as chronically anxious systems. Uh, the only way to get out of chronically anxious systems uh, is with a well differentiated leader. Okay. And a well differentiated leader is one who does not participate in chronically anxious systems.
0: Good word. Okay. Uh,
2: there's a book uh, that is so powerful that addresses this. Uh, and I, I, as far as I'm concerned, it should be uh fundamental reading, uh, and should be right next to the scripture, okay. right next to your Bible. It's called a failure of nerve, hmm. uh, by Edwin Friedman. Okay. It's, it's one of the most, if you, uh, if you could only read one book on, uh, relationship and leadership in your lifetime, know. that would be the book.
0: Okay. Good Is
2: that significant? Wow, uh, And uh, you can go through, I mean, there are all of the evidences of chronically anxious systems that not only the focus on the safety, but uh, trying harder. Hmm. So uh, if we're in a chronically anxious system, we wonder if we're in, if we're trying harder, uh, you know, the old uh, adage, you know, it's uh, the absolute it, it good evidence of insanity is, yeah. you know, yeah. doing the same thing over and expecting different results. Well, that's also evidence of a chronically anxious system. Uh, Hmm. And so there's a whole number of things that uh, that become indicators in there that go, wow, Uh, it's not that we shouldn't be concerned about, uh, you know, where we are and and safety issues. And I mean, safety more than just physical safety, but emotional safety. But if we're focused on that, uh, then how do we get out of that? How do we uh, still uh, take care of detail? But then how do we get to adventure? Yeah, that should be the question. Okay, and and so, um, well, there was that was <laughs> that's good. That's good. That was that's about two good. days condensed into,
0: <laughs> into two minutes. <laughs> a short snippet. Uh, Ron, Ryan got another question for you. Um, what are some ways that um, you prepare uh, to resolve conflict?
2: Well, uh, uh, the, the first obviously is well, of course, uh, but prayer. Uh, you know, uh, pray individually, pray together, make sure uh, that, uh, that your prayers are peace prayers, not victory prayers. Mm. Uh, Mm. (laughs) Yeah, you go, "Mm," yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody who's listening is going, oh man, I can remember now my victory prayers. Uh, but how many of those before I went into a meeting or as we started a meeting were peace prayers? Hmm. Um, of course, love one another. Uh, this is the new commandment, Hmm. uh, that, uh, is above all other commandments that we love one another as Jesus has loved us. Yeah. You know, uh, Another thing is to ask uh, yourself, how do how did I engage in, in, in this conversation that's led up to the conflict situation we're in at this point? Ask, look inside of yourself. Another thing in, in preparing is to consider third-party mediation. Okay. You know, if you're not the healthiest person in the room, hmm. then you need a mediator. Okay. <laughs> because you ain't gonna be it. Okay. I can guarantee you. Okay. Uh, you need someone who's able to step away from all the emotion and all the tension and all the fears and all of that and help people come together. Hmm. Uh, and so value third-party mediation, people who are skilled in mediation. And there are a number of those that uh, that have that. Uh, another thing to in preparing for is to be for and be on the same side. Hmm. Conflicts uh, tends to uh, look like we're, in, uh, we're, we're staring at each other uh, in, in, in a fight. Okay. Uh, is, is that This is eyeball to eyeball. What if we took the posture that we're standing alongside each other hmm. and the enemy is the enemy? Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. not the person. Yeah. Uh is we got different needs, we got different ways, uh we have different values of uh of confidence and expectations of trust and 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 what I need for outcome and 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 all those kinds of things. But we got to be on the same side. Okay. I've got to be an advocate for their wins, which means I got to understand what do they need to win? that may be different than my need for a win and and I've got to be willing to fight for their win uh you know the whole thing is I'm going to fight for you not with you okay uh is okay. is the thing uh be up front uh uh know your non-negotiables and, and and uh and be willing to let people know this is an area that I can't move on whether okay. it's because of uh of belief or because of agency or organizational policy or you know uh, again you may be only the representative uh, of a position and everybody else has created the conflict and you're <laughs> the one that's being asked to go in and make it right and you're going thanks a lot organization um and uh but know your non-negotiables and then be flexible on everything else Okay. Um learn to tolerate tension. Now <laughs> well, hmm. that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, and that only comes with uh finally getting to a point where there is mutual trust. Okay. That you but that comes through this progressive process. What do hmm. I know about the individual? How uh, dependable are they? How reliable are they? Do I have confidence in their capacity of the, what they know, but also, do I have confidence in their capacity to deal with tension? Hmm. And and so, uh, but learn to tolerate the tension, and and to know that uh, that out of that uh, you're going to build trust and confidence in another individual because you're not going to go to their weak point. Okay, and that's going to give them confidence that they can take a little bit step further uh, in terms of risk, and yeah. then finally run. Hmm. Run, run away, away or situa-
0: run, run away or run to <laughs>
2: run to <Okay. laughs> run to situations where attention will lead to conflict. Hmm. Don't avoid deny or ignore. You can usually see a conflict before it happens. Okay. Run into that uh situation and deal with it before tensions have risen to the point where uh people have taken positions, they've closed their fists uh they've made assumptions about your motives and all those kinds of things and and it's eroded the real relationship that you had okay so uh so think ahead, see okay. where this is going hmm. and, uh, um, and 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 run to it instead of running away from it.
0: Good word. Good word, Ron. Kind of continuing on this, this kind of same uh, uh, kind of flow. W- what do you see as the first step before you have a meeting? You're, you, there's something you see there. And what's the first step that, that you do before you have a meeting with a person maybe that you're in conflict with?
2: Well, uh, what, I, what I try to do is look in and then look out. You know, and okay. it's a lot about a little bit about what we've already talked about, but the looking in is is looking in to see if there's some personal history alerts okay. that you need to be aware of that are gonna uh, that are gonna stumble you. Okay, uh, you're gonna fall over them. One is your trauma history. Okay. Uh, has there been tra- childhood trauma? Has there been a divorce in your family or in your own relationships? Uh, has there been a lot of screaming and yelling parents or has your relationships been kind of like that in, in family? Uh, are you, uh, in some form of PTSD, okay. uh, because of personal trauma, uh, violent, have you experienced violence? Has there been abandonment, uh, uh for you as a child? Uh, or uh, are you a child of substance abusing parents? Okay. Because the children of substance abusing parents are very typically ones that try to make everything good. Hmm. They, are, uh, they are individuals that uh, are, they try to be, uh, well, they end up being peacekeepers instead of peacemakers. Interesting. Uh, and they learn that skill uh, as a child to keep peace in the family. Okay. And, and, and then they, they be mature to adults and they do the same thing in other relationships. Yeah. So trauma history, conflict history. Uh, how have you done in the past? <laughs> Has there been the, what we call the amygdala hijack? You know, yeah. that's a part of the brain that all of a sudden uh, it gets a flood of, uh, uh, of neural hormones and you find yourself uh, in a rage that you just going, my gosh, how did I get there? Uh, has there been uh, a lot of crying? Uh, have you just not done well okay. uh, when you find yourself? Uh, just take a take a, uh, uh, an inventory of that. What are your insecurities? We all got them. Hmm. <laughs> Come on. Sure. Uh, we all have them. They're like wrinkles. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we try to hide them, but they're there. They're, uh, and they're usually expressed as fears. My, inse- my fear of being wrong. Hmm. uh my which is the opposite side of my need to be right uh my fear of looking incompetent or my need uh to appear to be in control okay, uh, okay. maybe it's my fear of rejection uh of, of, of being excluded uh that uh i'm going to i'm going to do everything to make sure that i'm not thrown out of the pack uh that i'm a re- rejected uh it, that uh it, it may be my need to be accepted. Um, um, or it may be my fear of not, uh, uh, not, uh, of missing the point, uh, okay. that it's my need to be purposeful,
0: okay. that
2: I've got these unrealistic expectations that I'm going to come in and be the peacemaker because I've got this uh, broad knowledge and skill and I've been to seminars and, yeah. uh, you know, and I've got uh, through all the practice training and, uh, you know, and I got to, and, and, my insecurity, when it isn't going that way. Okay. (laughs) And somebody else has taken uh, control of uh, the meeting. My fear of tension uh, is my need to keep the peace. Hmm. Um, We've talked a little bit before about the difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so often, uh, and particularly people who are highly relational, uh The what uh not even realizing that the habit skills and the habit patterns have uh, resulted in peacekeeping instead of peace, uh, peace making. And when you're peacekeeping, you always uh, allow the most immature person in the room hmm. to have control.
0: OK. Hmm.
2: And uh, that uh, never leads to anything other than more frustration. Yeah. Um, uh, Another thing uh, to keep in mind uh, are, and I could spend a couple hours on this one, but it's, it's, uh, it's the three temptations of self. It's it's what I call the three self-sins. And and these are the same temptations that Jesus experienced described in in John chapter Uh, 6. And for him, they were temptations that he overcame. For us, they usually devolve into sin. Okay. And and I believe um, that these are the origin of all sin. Hmm. Uh, uh, Control, preservation, (laughs) and gratification. Okay, And that just about everything uh, that we do that is contrary to, to, to the, the law of God uh, uh, flows out of my need for control, my need for preservation, my need for uh, gratification. So just realize these temptations are there in every one of us, and they're operating, uh, in a sense, uh, on the table and under the table.
0: Okay,
2: And and then finally, uh, is just uh, be aware of the personality style, is is that uh, there are some people who, as I've said, who are feelers, and they're very sensitive to emotional tension. There's other people that may be in the room that are thinkers, and they're sensitive to logic and data, and that this makes sense, Hmm. and that this is the correct solution. Uh, There are others who are sensors, and they're sensitive to the fear and the excitement of the moment uh and and uh, and so they're activated uh by the energy in the room and then there's the intuitors uh who are busy solving problems that are not even yet in the room <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> for sure for sure and, and and so just understand again i mean uh that you know when you be, you know you start listening to this and you start getting overwhelmed yeah good grief. I've got to know all this before I come into the room. Yeah. Yes, you do. It's called learning how to live with other people. And, and it's an accumulation uh, uh, in a lifetime that makes you more effective as an individual Hmm. Uh, because everything in life, any interaction involves a difference of needs. Okay. Every interaction regard involves a difference of needs. Yeah. And so, uh, this is about how we live, hmm. not how we fight. Uh, <laughs> it's about how we live. Good uh, word.
0: Ron got another question. So we we've talked about you know what we what we're doing before we get into that room. Now we're in the room, and uh, we're in the per, in the room uh, with the other half of the conflict uh, situation. And when you're in the room, what are some strategies for dealing with this tension and the conflict? Once you're okay. once you're there and uh, you've done all the pre work, gotten right. done the things you've shared, what do
2: we, what's what do we do, Ron? Well, I think you know the first thing we got to understand where the power real, resides. Because some people have a, a greater authoritative power. Some people have resource power. Some people in the room have, uh, in a sense, a personality power. Uh, uh, some people have uh, derivative power from because they are representing the most authoritative. Uh, so there's all sorts of different power uh, relationships within the room. And so you got to understand where the power resides. Hmm. and And not only to understand... Uh, if other people have uh, more power than you, then you've got to be learn how to be humble and respectful. Hmm. Uh, and 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 the reality is, uh, you're not going to confront uh, uh, greater power with lesser power. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and come out winning. So don't channel, yeah. challenge power if you don't have power. Yeah. Now, if you're the one in the room and you have power, then you've got to be humble. You can't lord it over other individuals. You can't use it as a weapon. You can't say, well, let's just have a uh, let's just have an open conversation, knowing in the end that after everybody has exposed themselves and what their needs are, that you're going to uh, do whatever you want to do or you're going to uh, take advantage because of of whatever power you have then uh, because you've lulled them into uh, a sense of uh, openness. (laughs) Um, If you uh, if you are a colleague and you share power. Uh, then just be real. Uh, identify, okay. You, you know, in a sense, this is the power that you bring into the room. This is the power that I bring into the room. How can we find, how can we combine this together and come out with a solution uh, that takes advantage of both? Um, another thing is to learn how to style flex. And what I mean by that is, is that, uh, Uh, understand that the needs are largely based on personality style and personal history and style flexing is listening and speaking then in their language. Okay. So you're the, you're the, uh, you're the thinker. You've got all the facts, you've got all the data, and you're the only thinker in the room. And so what do you (laughs) usually do? You try to impress people by the fact that you're the only uh, uh, thinker in the room. (laughs) And what you should be doing is uh, is speaking to feelers and helping them feel good about the data that's okay. in the room. OK, <laughs> so that you flex your style to become, uh, you know, as Paul said, you know, when I'm in Rome, I, I you know, I speak as a Roman yeah. when I'm you know, in Greece, I, I think as a Greek, you know, kind yeah. of a thing. And, and so that's exactly what that means, okay. is, is that I flex my style to the, uh, to the, to, to the environment that I'm in. Uh, another thing uh, is uh, to lessen the tension. Okay. And, and so that may mean making time your ally. If you're not ready, uh, then it's okay to delay. Okay. Uh if you are not emotionally uh at a place where you feel that you can uh be uh, the most positive contributor to the conversation then find a way to postpone it. Okay. Um and not so that you have the most power but that you're not coming in and having to try to uh bull through uh with Uh, without the power of knowledge or relationship or whatever Um, to lessen the tension, find out what other people want. Okay. So, you know, when you come into the room, you go, okay, we know why we're here, uh, but Aaron, uh, what's it going to look like if you feel like this has been a successful meeting when we're done, what does that look, what's that going to look like to you? Okay. And go around the room. And ask, uh, what does everybody want slash need? And that way, then everybody, uh, again, can begin to mutually work as a team uh, for each other's needs. Um, be sure and not identify your non-negotiables. And, uh, and then you can identify what are your giveaways. Okay. A- and that's not a matter of uh, that they're not valuable. They're, they're just not necessary for you. OK, so so that you know what you can hold on to and you know what you can uh, give away uh, when you get to the meeting uh very importantly, ask open ended questions, open end questions are ones that start with what are. Uh, uh, the, uh, um, but you're asking for people not to give you a one line answer, but uh, what are some things that we need to make sure that happen? And when we come out of this room, uh, how can we, what are some ways that we can approach this uh, as, you know, so you ask open-ended questions uh, as much as possible. As I say, be the person's advocate uh, to get their way. Uh, know what you need. Know what you uh, know. What you not want, and 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 then uh, the tools. Uh, obviously, the first one that in your toolkit is that irreplaceable force of trust building. Hmm. Uh, You want to be trustworthy and we talked about trust and that it is an ideal, but I got to be working towards being a trustworthy person. I can't just stop at that. You've got confidence in my uh, abilities, but I'm always working towards you believing that I am a trustworthy person. Um, And so never uh, uh, forget about the irreplaceable force of trust, because that's what allows safe tension the focused and active listening followed up with open-ended questions. And, and we know about those, you know, but for me to be able to say, well, well, Aaron, uh, what I heard you say was this, that, uh, these are the obstacles that are standing in your way, you know, so I, you know, and I, and I do this kind of, of, uh, uh of rephrasing and catching up to let you know that I was listening, uh, uh, to the meaning as well as the message, um, uh, we try to focus on the problem, not on okay. the person. Okay. Uh, that's really hard because yeah. I begin to say, you know, you, you're, you're kind of an unlikable person. You know, you, <laughs> you know, you do realize that. And I, I'm i saying that in, in my mind, you know, yeah. and and so uh, uh, and if I get focused on the person uh, or Ben, that was a low blow. And yeah. now I'm taking it personal uh, uh, continue to try to focus on the problem. Um, distinguish your own rights, uh, from your interests. Okay. And most people will fight more strongly for their interests than they will for their rights. Interestingly. Hmm. Could, you differentiate, uh, though,
0: could you share this difference between those two, Ron? Um,
2: coming into a meeting like that, uh, you know, my sense is I have a right to be heard. Okay. Um, but if I show my interest in you, that I want to hear what you have to say, Hmm. instead of just, uh, okay, you got a right to be heard. All right, say your piece and then we'll move on. Wow. Uh, uh, okay. you know, and, and that, that then I acknowledge your right, you okay. know, you got a right to be here. I just yeah. don't like you being here. Hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So, uh, when I focus on interests, is, uh, it's important that you're here because you represent a point of view that I don't fully understand.
0: That's good. That's good.
2: Um, and then, uh, very importantly, have I identified all the apes in the room? Hmm. What uh, kind of apes are we talking about? <laughs> uh, assumptions. Okay. Uh, what have we, uh, you know, and this is a way to begin to, uh, to if, for you to take almost, in a sense, control of, the, of this conversation, even though you may not have the most power in the room, is to ask the question. Uh, what assumptions have we made that we need to check and make sure uh, that they uh, that that they go beyond just assumptions? Hmm. Um, uh, then the perceptions. Uh, what do we perceive to be the motives of others? Uh, you know, and assumptions and perceptions are assumptions are almost more emotional. Perceptions are more analytical uh and then but very finally is uh, what are our expectations okay when when we came into the room what did each of us want to walk out with okay uh both in terms of content as well as relationship around the room and when you begin to focus and ask those questions uh again uh you begin to find people all moving to the same side of the table
0: it's good it's good
2: um, and then uh uh one of the things is never forget about apology repentance and forgiveness hmm. uh is uh the uh one of the conflicts i had this year with a with a and it was with a dear friend of mine hmm. and it almost went to the point where it was uh it, it that that the, that friendship broke hmm. and when we came back together in reconciliation uh and i had never said it before it was like one of those you know, I like to think it was a Holy Spirit uh, yeah. kind of uh, uh, inspiration, but I I said, uh, please forgive me for for my humanness.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
2: Uh, that it was my humanness uh, yeah. that you know created this tension, um, and and the repentance is uh, you know and like again with my friend is we've got so much history. Yeah. And we've got so much relationship, and we've got so much future. Yeah. Uh, uh, I repent yeah. of even challenging and bringing us to this uh, point. And then that forgiveness, um, obviously, that that is so important. Um, Good, word. So. Good word. Good word. Good word. Ron, we got about five more minutes. I got one
0: one 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 last question for you. I don't know if we can do it in that amount of time, but I'm gonna ask you about it anyway. You talk about the five satisfaction questions. Is there any way we could you could share those for us? I think we, so. For, uh, we go and,
2: <laughs> you bet. Uh all right. When when all is done and whether it's just you uh asking yourself or if you've got a a trustworthy environment where we can ask this question, and this is a question that's usually asked of mediate, uh, by mediators to a group, but it may be that you've taken on this unofficial role of mediator in the room because you're the most uh, 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 well-differentiated person in the room and And so, as you conclude, uh, you know keep in mind, there are there there are five satisfaction questions that everybody needs to walk out with with an answer of yes in order to know that we can go constructively forward. The okay. first one is a is a factual satisfaction. People need to know that all the issue related facts that they've possessed have been put on the table. Okay. And so you help ensure this when you restate and summarize. So make sure and ask the question, okay, from a satisfaction, have we got all the facts on the table that we need to know to be able to make a decision? Secondly, then, is the emotional satisfaction. Uh, People need to be assured that others have uh, empathized with the present circumstance. And so you may want to ask each person if they can identify with how the other person feels at this point. Uh, And if, if trust has confidence has you know is moving towards trust right. I can say well Aaron you know uh, I you know you've had the greatest difficulty in in coming to agreement uh, with uh, Eleanor um, how do you think she's feeling at this moment <laughs> and I mean that's a risky question but uh, that may involve another that may involve another hour but yeah. uh, that and then there's a procedural satisfaction people need to know that the steps that were agreed upon for airing these concerns have been fairly followed. Okay. Do we have integrity in what we said we were going to do when we, when we got all together and, and review what you said would be done in the meeting and then ask if people feel those commitments were kept. Okay. And then, uh, solution satisfaction, people need to feel the solution has a good chance of succeeding. Hmm. So, we've come to a, uh, to a great idea moving forward. <laughs> Does anybody really think this is going to work?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know,
2: and, and I mean, you can even ask it that way to break the tension a little bit, you know, right. and and allow people to, you know, kind of t- take a little bit of their, their knives and put them back into their sheaves <laughs> and, <laughs> and put their guns back in their holsters that they've right. had under the table. And, and you know, uh, do, uh, do we all feel that we've got a workable solution? Hmm. And finally, most importantly, because we are in spiritual community, is uh, the spiritual satisfaction. And we need then to hold ourselves mutually accountable. Folks, do we really uh, believe that, uh, that what we've done, what we've said, and how we've approached this, uh, it fully reflects uh, the biblical standards that we've all committed our lives to? Um, and then maybe briefly summarize the scriptural standards of burden bearing and unity or, or what it was that was specific for this moment. And that uh, we just uh, hold ourselves mutually accountable yeah. to say, did we do what we all in that we know uh, as good people who are heart, uh, serving Christ uh in spite of the <laughs> in spite of the uh, of the interference that we get from our uh, from our from our flesh and our on uh, our unredeemed human spirit uh did we do that in a sense would christ be pleased uh would would paul be pleased uh with uh, uh if the uh, with what we've done That's good. and That's good. uh and then conclude it in prayer
0: amen Amen, Ron. I've enjoyed thoroughly enjoyed having you on the podcast. Will you pray for us today? Will you pray that oh. God will use the wisdom and insight you shared with us um, as we live? We live in community.
2: Uh, Lord, um, only as we get older do we realize how complicated life is, and uh, how many challenges there are, and uh, and how many challenges that we just put ourselves uh into in into this uh and so first lord uh help us to to look inside of ourselves and and to make sure that uh that we have the personal peace that you've given uh, us the opportunity to have through Christ lord uh then help us to have this renewed desire in our hearts for community peace for that mutuality that, uh, that as we live together in horizontal relationships, Lord, um, uh, help us to all just continually be lifelong students uh, of peace uh, uh, in this process, knowing that, um, that we will stumble and fail, but hopefully that as we continue to hold each other accountable, that, uh, we will become, um, then agents, uh, of, of your peace, Lord. Uh, I just pray that I pray for each individual who is listening to this uh, podcast, Lord, help them to look inside themselves, uh, for wholeness and for healing, uh, so that they can be a source of peace to other individuals. Lord, I I just look that up in, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.